Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody. Tennis Bets is back for the final show of the 2024 Australian Open. We've reached the final round. Streaming, as always, on Tennis Channel YouTube, Tennis.com, Facebook, and Tennis Bets Twitter. Our experts are here to recap what we've seen so far, how we got to this stage, and dish out a ton of bets going into the finals, the men's and the women's from the Australian Open. Let's start with Kenny Ducey to my left, top right of the screen, Kenny it was an eventful night of men's semifinals last night. I know there were some highs and lows for the players and also for yourself on the betting streets. Yeah, well, look, I don't care about any of that. I want to take this time out to thank Zach Cohen because in November, he he had this prediction that Yannick Sinner would get a weird grand slam. He thought it would happen at the Australian Open. I think we both put in Sinner to win. And so regardless of what happened with Zverev and Medvedev and Zverev being sick and Medvedev getting lucky on the 5-5 return in the tiebreak. All that aside, very happy to have a center future in right now and very happy to be able to hedge with Medvedev plus two, okay. 200. So a big right. thank you to Zachary Cohen, and I think more people should uh, be listening to this show because we give out plenty of good advice. Zico, we're, we're going to you know do your victory lap in a second, but for the intros, I mean, it's been an exciting time, not just because you, know, you had the pulse on what might happen, but especially with the men's side, we were saying last show, the very best players in the world got to the final eight then final four and we saw some surprising results yeah it was a really good tournament so far i mean i i wish that i watched a little bit more of it i mean i did not get on the australian hours this tournament i have in the past but yeah i think that it, it was a good showing for most of these guys i think sinner is going to be now a mainstay at the top of these grand slams for sure and i think alcaraz will get right back there at the french open so i think that we're going to see the best players you know playing the best tennis yeah, you, you missed out. You missed out on staying up for Australian time. Although I, uh, I think I, I think it looked like I was on the verge of death for both of our shows, and then one of them I missed. So maybe it wasn't the best idea. Yeah, there was a wellness check in there, but we don't need to get into that. Uh, and then also joining us from Visa and Tennis.com, Pamela Maldonado. Pam, not in all black today, morning, Djokovic, because you are a professional. But uh, what stood out the last day, especially the semifinal day? What really stood out to you? Well, so the. The whole thing is I was a year, almost a year late on a sitter. Um, congratulations to Cohen for calling it. About in February, March, I wrote an article for Yahoo and it was about Sonic is gonna Sonic Sinner is gonna have himself a year. This is his breakout year. And six months he started building into it, got a new coach with Cahill, and now he's blossomed. So I knew that it was coming. Called it too early. My mistake is I'm not even gonna call it a mistake. It's a at a certain point, I am not a better. I am truly a fan of the game of the sport, and I have been following Djokovic, Federer, Nadal for so long 
that at a certain point, I just, I become kind of like blind to their abilities, to their capabilities. And coming into the Australian Open, you blind bet Djokovic just how you blind bet Nadal to win the French Open. That's just what it is. It is, especially when he is this deep in a tournament. So I, would, I wouldn't say that I was like blinded. Um, what are those goggles on? A singing straight road for Djokovic. <laughs> but like, like, I knew that it was center. And still I was like, oh, but it's Djokovic. He's yeah. in the corners. We've seen this before. So I think it's just um, I have to really learn to be a little bit more objective in that spot. Now, what I saw that I did not like, what I'm most upset about from Djokovic is he waited way too long to up his aggression. He wasn't recognizing Sinner's propensity to serve wide. It was so obvious. It became just like a robot of what he was doing. And he was so stubborn with it, he wasn't going to the open court. Djokovic's B game, I don't even think it was his B game. It might have been like his D game. He hmm. didn't ever start serving normal until the third set. He put himself in too big of a hole to pull himself out of. But I mean, it really is just, it really just irked me. Like he did it at love 15. He did it at 1530. He was doing it the entire match. Wide, wide, wide safety serve from center. Take a step over. Hmm. It was just, what were you doing? What were you thinking? His head wasn't there, and that's just not something that we're used to seeing from him. So um, we saw now Djokovic lose Wimbledon to Carlos Acaraz. We're now seeing him lose Australian Open to another 20-year-old in center. So uh, I don't want to say I'm a little worried now for the future of Djokovic, but as a fan, I'm a little worried. <laughs> it does get to everyone, even the greatest of all time. Uh, also a reminder, you can join this Tennis Best chat to get in on the fun. A reminder to please keep it respectful there. Uh, but Zico, got to talk to you because you're the man of the hour. I know that, you know, Pam and Kenny have done well too, but, you know, not just center pre-tournament, even back, you know, into the end of last year, but on Medvedev as well and on Zang to win her quarters. So, you know, sitting pretty. We got to let you get your victory lap here. Yeah, I mean, I have to say I lost some too. Like I had Iga two units to win, so I didn't win all of this. But yeah, you know, the Zhang one was good because it covered all of my entries into the tournament, and then I'll be winning whatever I win with Sinner or Medvedev. Medvedev was a half unit, so I'll either win like six and a half units or four and a half. But yeah, it's a really good tournament. I don't know if I've ever gotten both finalists before and have been in a situation where I don't need to hedge at all. So it's been fun, and yeah, can't wait for it. <laughs> There is one thing, though, Kenny especially, and uh, you know the whole panel, we have to be fair, though, to everyone. It wasn't all perfect for Zico, so I just yeah. wanted to play something as well. How many men left do you see that can win the Australian Open? And I'm going to say can, not probable, but that would not shock you. How many men, well, we'll get the dogs in on this as well, but how many men can uh, win the Australian the Open? Are the dogs barking here at the Australian <laughs> Open? That's what you say. That's a good host right there. That's what they say. Yeah. So we had to just, I mean, come on. I want to know if they're coming back today, by the way. Are we going to let the dogs out, Zico? The dog runs the house, so whenever he wants to bark, he will bark. He has ruined multiple appearances for me, like on TV and everything. Like, it's it's a huge wild card that I don't know how to deal with. <laughs> well, hey, keep shining your toes, I think, at the very least. Um, and, yeah, it's nobody's perfect. We had to break that in there. Uh, but let's get to the I was I was ready for my – my. I thought you were going to say I was right that there were three guys that could win at Djokovic, Sinner, and Zverev, which I felt pretty good at uh, about when he was up two sets to love. But I'm not going to lie. That might have made the rounds if he would have just, just held on. But uh, first things first, and, uh, Kenny, I'll throw it right back to you. Sinner defeats Djokovic in that match in four sets. Could have been three. Djokovic saves a match point in set three, but Sinner gets to the final. And 
We talked about Djokovic, and we'll get to him again in a second. But this is Yannick Sinner's moment, his first major final. The uh, only, you know, the first Italian man to make the Australian Open final as well. And he really looks like this is deserved. There's nothing fluky about the fact that he's here in this position. No, definitely not. I mean, he's he's obviously made le- I mean, I think we've all known that his his ground game has been absolutely lethal for the last year and his serve ever since I believe the end of 2022, start of 2023. Actually, I apologize. It was the start of 2022. We really started to see it when he had that run and one in Washington. He beefed up his serve, he changed his motion. So, I think he's been making steady improvements over the years, but the biggest thing obviously was mentally, right? And physically. And I think uh, I was actually ready to scold him for his last for last season for how he performed at the Grand Slams because all I could think about was him going down two sets to love to Martin Fucevic and losing to Daniel Altmaier at the French Open. But if you look at the U.S. Open, he did a really good job conserving energy. He came through his matches very, very quickly. Obviously went into a war with Zverev in the quarterfinals there and just didn't have the legs at the end of that match. Zverev also, to his credit, played an unbelievable uh, match and tournament that year to get himself back to the top of the men's game. But I think what we've seen is he's been able to not go to war with Ilya Vashka and drop the set to Brandon Nakashima, and somehow Daniel Altmaier has become his kryptonite. Uh, he did a really good job this week of just, you know, fighting off some really tough opponents in the fourth round and in the quarters and, Ru- and Rublev and Hatchinoff. And I think uh, what we've seen is that pay dividends. You know, he goes into this final. He's now spent six hours less on court than his opponent. And what Pam was talking about actually made me think I was almost going to jump in, but I'm getting much better at not cutting you off, Mitch, because you are the host. I I really did believe that what we saw last night was a very big, I I think it it showcased the mental side of tennis where Mm -hmm. I think both Djokovic and Zverev at a certain point were like, you know, I I just can't beat this guy. I I, I felt that for Zverev. In that third set, when Medvedev started to turn it on, he started to feel a little better physically. And the head-to-head comes into play there with Zverev obviously losing six of the last seven to Medvedev. I think eventually he was like, what do I have to do to beat this guy? I can't beat this guy. I've rarely beaten this guy over the last three years. And I think in a micro in a, in a micro sense, that happened in the Sinner match as well, where Djokovic, he knew that Sinner had beaten him two out of their last three meetings. And I think while Djokovic has supreme confidence and the arrogance that you need to be a champion, he always thinks he's going to win. I do think that played a little bit of a factor there because he knows against Taylor Fritz, who was 8-0 against, Djokovic didn't play a good match there. Djokovic didn't play a good match all tournament. But the bottom line is he knows... You know, I could I could roll out of bed, which it does look like he usually rolls out of bed before his day matches. His hair is all over the place. And by the way, <laughs> I do have hair. I'm not wearing a hat today. Um, and I, I felt like that was this example of, of yeah. Djokovic just having that ego, knowing that he's going to beat Fritz no matter what happens. And I think that wasn't present against Sinner because he just didn't have that uh, supreme mm-hmm. confidence because of yeah. what happened over the last few months. So uh, I think, you know, we always like to say head-to-head is king in tennis. I was about ready to say last night, well, maybe not so much because I thought, you know, Djokovic with the head-to-head advantage and Zverev with the head-to-head advantage were both going to win because their opponents were, um, well, actually, sorry, I apologize, Sinner losing the head-to-head and Zverev losing the head-to-head. I thought they were both going to win because of the quality of their opponents in this tournament. But I think that plays a big factor, and I think that's what you saw. But hats off to Yannick Sinner. What a great tournament. And as as we said going in, he was the best player in the men's draw. This is the best player uh, alive right now in the draw and he has been for weeks and he yeah. deserves to be in the final 
And Pam, I, I just want to mention too, I know you were on Djokovic to win the third set last night, which he did. Um, mm -hmm. It was it's crazy to see him as, as high as plus 500 on the live odds, which is like when oh, he yeah. at that number. But we saw even in that third set, right, he wins it. He digs deep, you know, into the tank, whatever he had left, but still, you know, had to go to a tie breaks, had to do everything just to win one set. And right. you asked the question last time, what's it going to be like when he couldn't break you know, it was 0 for 15 at break points. He didn't even get a break point. In this he didn't point. even get a break point. So I think I want to expand on that um, mental side of things because at first I was like, after Djokovic was down two sets to love to center, he didn't take a break. He didn't step off court. And I, at first I was like, okay, that's, I, I expected him to immediately grab his things and jet for it. Instead, he came back quick and he's like, let's go. So that told me it had nothing to do with mental. If he thought that, okay, I need to recomp I need to gather my stuff together. I need to like decompress. I need to just like mentally put it all. It wasn't that. He knew that it was the mechanics weren't there. So that's why he's like, nope, I need to build a rhythm. Let's keep going. But then after the third set, he did take that break. So maybe it was a little bit of both of like, mm -hmm. at first it wasn't there for me. At the end, I wanted the tie break in the third set to take the third. Now let me let me, let me see if I can like, put it all together mentally, physically. And it just, of course, didn't come to fruition. So I think for the mental aspect, yes. Now for the physical aspect, I think that's one of the, I think what is being underutilized, under discussed is really the advantage that Sinner has had ever since he added Darren Cahill to his team. It has just been light and day. We always knew that Sinner had the capability, but ever since he got Cahill, I mean, what is the strength of him as a coach, the teaching them how to settle the heck down. <laughs> like yeah. think of, think yeah. of a horse out into the wild and you just need to wrangle them back. He teaches composure. He teaches yeah. when to bring out that aggression and right. when to like, Hey, hold on, let your opponent make the mistake first. So on a macro level, he teaches players how to win a match, not just a point. That is what we have seen the progression in Sinner's game. The writing was on the wall all along. Mm -hmm. Great tournament so far from Sinner. Yeah, and just to kind of expand on that too, you heard someone like Rafael Nadal say the younger players are hitting bigger and bigger, but the strategy and, and how to play tennis might not be there. We saw it from center of the progression since Kenny said 2022, he's been building to this point. And Zico, just to put a bow on where Djokovic goes from here, still one of the best, if not the best players in the game on, on any given day. But this is kind of what we saw from Federer at the end of his career. There are going to be days when you get to this age where you just don't have it. Your A game isn't there. And that's... I hate to say maybe the new reality, but anytime we get to this uncharted territory of playing this late in the game, there's no guarantee your baseline level is going to be there. I'm a little less worried about Djokovic's like long-term outlook. I still think that you know Wimbledon will be expected to he'll win that. I think that U.S. Open there's a really good chance he's going to win that as well. I just kind of think that, like you said, this is one of those days. I think that he doesn't like to play during the day at all. You know, most of my memories of him playing during the day are really bad performances. So you know, even though it wasn't all that hot. I just think that he looked like he was going through it out there. I don't think he looks as comfortable when it's not a night session. And I don't know, like, like he didn't really say anything. He wanted to give Sinner his praise. He didn't want to take away from his win. But I really thought something was off. Like, I, I thought it was all physical in, in a way. Like, I thought that he wasn't moving well. I thought that he wasn't, you know, finding the power when he needed to. And I know that some of that was Sinner just playing well. And I think that there's a lot of pressure you put yeah. on yourself when you're playing somebody that might be better than you. But I do think that there was something bothering him. And I'm not really a Djokovic defender in any way. So I'm interested in seeing if there's anything yeah. that comes out in these next couple of weeks. See where it goes from here. But 
Full marks to Yannick Sinner. Uh, the other semifinal was Medvedev defeating Zverev. Two sets down, comes back and wins. Kenny, uh, from the Medvedev perspective, we've seen this now a couple times in this tournament. He's been down two sets. He's looked gassed. He's played more tennis than anyone. The simple question is, how does he keep doing this and how much of it is just strategy and finding a way versus tactical adjustments? I don't know. It's a great question how he keeps doing it, but the the bottom line is I've, I've never really questioned his his uh, physical fitness. Like I think we all know, I mean, the style of game he plays, he is very fit. He's very good at uh, continuing to run around the court, make you play extra balls and using his long levers, levers, sorry, as the Brits would say, uh, to, to get a lot of balls back. I, I think more so my concerns coming into that match, and frankly, we'll get to it a little bit, but my concerns going into the center match are that his game is just not quite at the level that it was, even if you look at a 2022 U.S. Uh, Australian Open, excuse me, when he ended up going to the final there, leading the doll, blowing it. I mean, the Medvedev serve was on, I mean, that was the talk of the tournament, you know, and I think that was especially true against Nick Kyrgios, which was a very difficult match. Uh, I mean, no less than five or six times did the commentators say, well, let's just please never underestimate the Medvedev serve. Uh, I did think the serve came back a little bit for him. I mean, obviously there were some, some games that Zverev was just not, he was trying to conserve energy. He wasn't bothered going for serves, but I think on the whole, that's a big concern for me. And I think the serve got him back in, but the serve is going to have to be really good for Medvedev to continue to compete against top five players. And normally it is right. But I mean, I was even watching back that Medvedev Zverev Cincinnati match which was the only time Zverev was able to beat him in the last now eight meetings. And it was it was a terrible, it was a disaster class in terms of his serving. So um, while he does all these great things from the back of the court, and we like to think of him as a great returner because he returns 25 feet behind the baseline and he gets to a lot of balls and he can hit those low dipping passes and um, really defend pretty much anything coming after him, even the serve and volley, uh, which Alcaraz had a lot of success against him with the serve and volley at the US Open. I think he won over 70% of the points but Medvedev was still able to get through him when the pressure moments came um you know he's renowned for that stuff but I think the serve is really what puts him over the top because when you have a guy that's able to return like that able to get cheap points off of you know rallies you should have won then he he turns around on serve and just dominates and you have no way back in and even even those cheapies like I saw a lot of people complaining early on in that match that he was getting on you know that that Zverev was getting lucky that, you know, there was a net cord uh, that ended up giving him a break and there was like a luck winner. Like the thing about it is I'm, you know, I sitting front row for him at the U.S. Open, that entire run he made last year, that happened all the time. He would go behind breaks. He would, you know, there would be lucky. I mean, the match against Demon Orr, you know, the match against Demon Orr like was really difficult for him. But every time he would go behind that break, he would manage to find one. And then his, his opponents had no way in. So I think yeah. the serve for me is the biggest reason why he can get out of these spots, why he did get out of that match. But I don't think it's really been there all week, and I think that's a big concern. He's been a master, right, Pam, at just conserving energy and knowing what to do. And, like, you know, you talk about the standard, the big three, how they manage the five-set process. He is way more comfortable in best-of-five matches than just about anybody else. He's becoming the new Djokovic where he's going to wear you out because he's going to return everything. Um, his length helps him a lot. He, if he only had a little bit more like agility, flexibility as Djokovic does, he's Djokovic 2.0. And now it is surprising because he has had, like you mentioned, the most time on court. So 
and he's still getting it done. Yes, that serve is helping. But what we also saw from Medvedev, similar to what we saw from Sinner in the past, cramping becomes an issue. Dehydration becomes an issue. Like he wasn't always the most physically fit, but now he's showing that he's maybe made adjustments in his health to help him sustain some of these longer matches. So yeah, you if you put him in a best of five, and at some point it becomes a lot more mental if your opponent is able to if you're um if you think your serve is big enough you have Medvedev on the other side who's going to return almost everything just as much so good luck <laughs> yeah Zico this is a tough one for Zverev right like he beats Alcaraz he's back to being a very elite level but he's really <laughs> this one's going to sting I should say losing this one a winnable match against a guy who you obviously don't like and mm -hmm. has had your number yeah, and I think with Zverev, like, we look at the dominant head-to-head -head for Medvedev, like, this has just been a matchup that has been really unlucky for him. Like, you know, a few tiebreakers going the wrong way, and, like, all of a sudden you feel like you can't beat him anymore. So, like Kenny said, there's a mental edge that's, that Medvedev has now. But, you know, like, it, these matches have all been really close, and they've been really coin tosses once you get to the end of them. So it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm also a little bit worried about the Medvedev serve, by the way. Uh, like, like heading into this match especially, and, and the time on court, the differential with him and Sinner is really crazy. Almost, almost two matches in total. So that's yeah. going to be interesting looking in the final, too. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, here we go. Time to go over those best bets for the finals on Tennis Bets. Streaming on Tennis.com, Facebook, Tennis Channel, YouTube, and Tennis Bets. Twitter also on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Uh, Kenny, the women's final, starting off pretty simple with this. Sabalenka, a huge favorite over Kunwin Zhang at minus 650 to her plus 490. We've got some action and we've got some picks we're going to get to. Uh, game spread as of right now, subject to change, whatever your book is, is five and a half games. Sabalenka at plus 108 there. Um, a lot to discuss in this one, and I know you have a parlay too, but the first thing we're going to get going with is you like to set for Quinn Zhang to get at least one tonight. Yeah, I actually don't think I have a parlay, but I do really like Quinn Zhang to take a set uh, here. If you look back at Arena Sabalenka's last, uh, you have to go back all the way to 2021 to find a final that she won in straight sets. That was in, uh, I believe, Dubai. Um, and I think that is a, a big thing for Sabalenka in finals. I know people like to call her finals Lenka now because she won the Australian Open final and she mm -hmm. conquered her demons. Uh, David Kane, one of our, our colleagues, uh, likes to call her that. And, you know, all credit to her for, for winning that Australian Open. But when you look at her finals record, you know, she's lost now four out of her last five. Like I said, she's dropped a set in all 12 of her last finals. 
So I don't, you know, even the, the U.S. Open final, which was a big mismatch, and I know we talked about it on the last show, how it was obviously a very difficult situation for her in front of a hostile home crowd for Coco. Um, you know, on, on paper, I thought that was a mismatch. I thought in the first set it went the way that it really should have. And for whatever reason, I mean, you look at the last two matches, especially uh, in the Australian Open, if we get to, once we get to the finish line, she led Barbara Krajikova by a break in that second set. She gave it back. She's been broken five times now her last two matches so i just think nothing is guaranteed with sabalenka in terms of her winning 2-0 um and the other thing i would say going into this match is that she really hasn't played a player that can bring the pace uh, from the back of the court like Ken wing Zheng can i think she's gonna uh have her be a passenger in a lot of rallies i think she's gonna be able to hit through sabalenka with that heavy forehand that she likes to find angles with um i don't think Zheng is gonna win this match i think sabalenka's experience here ultimately pre- uh, helps her prevail but I definitely think this is a crazy price on Zheng to take a set because we've also seen in all the women's finals, even involving Iga over the last three seasons, they're incredibly volatile. They most they almost always go over the total, um, and you get some weird winners. You got Marketa Vondrasova winning a slam last year, which was nuts. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think ultimately Zheng wins the set here. I think probably the first set. Um, I think she's going to have Sabalenka on the back foot. I expect her to, to, to figure it out. But, you know, Coco Goff, for, for all the praise we give her, and she has a nice first serve and a great world-class backhand, like I just don't think she's hitting the ball as hard as Zhang is. And when you look at the opponents Sabalenka's come through, they've been quality opponents compared to Zhang's draw. But she hasn't really had to face pace like Zhang's going right. to bring. So, um, you know, I think obviously the serve's a concern as well. The serve is a, a weapon and also a curse because she leads the field in double faults and she can get really shaky. But uh, I, I think, yeah, I don't know if you're going to get to my next pick here, but well, I also... But I gotta, yeah, I got to get Zico's in too, just ahead. because, yes. What's you the know, same? a lot yeah. of action on this one. Very similar. Zico, has. Zico going a little little safer. Like I put that game spread up. But Zico, if I have the numbers right, correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to go seven and a half games on Jang. For minus 130 so we're going to add a couple games to the total pay a little more on the other side but explain the reasoning here why you're going to take this number as opposed to five and a half well i have over seven and a half games one for sorry so over yeah and a half. even more similar to kenny it's like I, I think there's a good chance she wins a set but i'm protecting myself here in the case that she loses one seven five or seven six and then the next one you know six two six three still win but I agree. Like, I think that th- this is a match that's going to be a little bit of trouble for Sabalenka. I wrote it in my column. Like, it's it's not going to be easy for Sabalenka to win a match in straight sets. She doesn't tend to do it. Like, she always gives herself a hiccup or two. We even saw in the Coco match where, honestly, I thought she was the much better player for most of that match. She let her into it again. Like, she has trouble with these, some of these big moments. And I do think that Zhang is, like, she's a little early. Like, I think that she's a player that we weren't expecting to win very soon. But she's going to win slams one day. So it's like her game is there, and I think her talent is there. And I think the fact that she just played a bunch of bad opponents is actually going to help her here because there were expectations on her for the first time in her career in this tournament. People were expecting her to make a run to the semis, potentially even the finals. And now you're playing someone that no one expects you to beat. I think she's going to be able to come out, play a little bit freely uh, with no weight on her shoulders, and I think that's going to help her out a lot. Right, and she was the 12 seed. It's not like this is a total fluke running all the way through the draw. She's got a, she's on the track to get to the WTA finals and everything. So this is a player, as we mentioned, going to be in here for the long haul. Kenny, your other bet, though, was, and, and I said, by the way, I meant prop on this regard. Zang over two and a half breaks a serve at plus 120. An interesting one, and one that the more I thought of, I liked because 
Tev Lake hasn't lost many games this tournament, but she has been broken. So the serve can come and go. And when you have a good player like Sabalenka, you know she can just get it right back. Yeah, and I mean, as I mentioned before, she's been broken five times over her last two matches now, and, and a lot of those were from the lead, right? So I don't think that precludes you from, uh, I, I don't think the set bet precludes you from winning this one. I think you could win either or, you could win both. But, you know, this is a player that's breaking serve over 41% of the time this year. She's been breaking serve a lot throughout her career. And like we meant, you know, like Zach mentioned, there's just been stumbles for Sabalenka. And I've just been having a lot of fun with these break props, honestly, uh, over the last couple of nights because you don't get these. Uh, first of all, not every book does offer them, but you don't get props like this until really late in Grand Slams where the books decide to have some fun and try to bait you. But I think this is not bait at all. I think this, I don't think they're properly offering these lines at all uh and it shows you know if they were offering them for the buenos aires uh, open i think maybe they would have a better read on the yeah. breaks and serve but um i think this is kind of crazy and i know sabalenka has an all-world serve she's holding over 85 percent of the time it, that that's great but you know we've seen again with the nerves in the last couple of matches with the with the lead she has not been a good front runner and you like to hear all those bs stats about oh well when this player breaks first they win 85 percent of their sets it, it it's all nonsense because obviously you're going to win a high percentage of your sets when you're in the front but i i think ultimately she has given breaks back uh she has she has thrown in really shaky service games now zhang has as well so maybe you take the breaks on the other side but i think ultimately Two and a half games at plus 120. That's a no-brainer for me. Uh, I think she's going to break through quite a few times here. She's been doing it all tournament. She's been doing it all year and throughout her career, really. So I think this is a really nice prop to get in on. And like I said, you know, you take this and you take her to win a set. I think you can, I think you probably win both, but this is a very attainable number and one that you can win in spite of Sabalenka pulling this, pulling the break back, as you said, and winning the set. I had one before we move on to the men, just from the same game parlay, Sabalenka could win and serve five aces is minus 105, as I saw in the book as well. And if you took my advice on last week's show, it's just sprinkle Sabalenka could win the tournament. It was plus 350 without dropping a set. So I actually did, but then I cashed out because I thought okay. she'd probably lose a set in the final. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, maybe that's where Zico's plus seven and a half games comes in. You know, try to protect yourself a little bit there. Um, all right, gang, we're going to go to the men's final here on Tennis Bets. A lot of action on this one, a lot of props and just a lot of discussions. I want to see where our heads are at. Uh, Pam, sadly, I had, I had this stat too. It's the first AO finals without Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic since 2005. And I'll just say that's, that should be 2003 if Federer didn't try that tweener against Maratsev. That's it. I mean, that's absolutely insane. Like, um, I mean, I'm sure we've all been fans of the game for so long. So this is kind of it's not only just like a change in evolution of the players, but it's also a change in evolution of the fans. Like we know that era of tennis. So it's taken me a couple of years to adjust to all of the newcomers on tour and I need to know what their strengths are. I actually have to watch the matches a little bit more than I used to because I used to talk about these guys like they I knew them like the back of my hand. But now there's so many new up and comers because we are seeing a changing of the guard. It's just natural. It's naturally going to happen. We're seeing it um, in golf with, you know, Tiger Woods was, has been out of the door for the last couple of years because of injury. Nadal is out of the door in recently and could be this year because of injury. So it's just we've seen it with Federer. It's it's just time. It's that's what happens in the sport. So it, it makes for an interesting matchup, at least. Um, yeah. yeah. I also I also didn't get my two cents on Djokovic. By the way, you never asked me about that. But I can, <laughs> I want to say in thirty seconds or less, 
that I am also like Zico, not too concerned, but I will remind people that just five years ago, you know, we were watching this guy lose to Philip Kohlschreiber, Roberto Batista, good at masters. Huh? Jero Daniel at Indian Wells. I was at that match. Exactly. <laughs> I, you know, that's on my, I, I, I know it's uh, just over a month away, but I actually want to get out to Indian Wells this year and I'm going to try to everything in my power to make it happen. But um, that's it, a great tournament. And I highly recommend anyone watching who lives anywhere close to go because it's an incredibly fun event. I, I can say firsthand because I've never been, um, but I would, I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not too concerned about Djokovic, but you know, I, I think this is, I was sort of stressing this going into the center match where it was like, you know, let's. It's not like he never loses in these matches, right? I mean, obviously, yes, he never loses in Australian Open semis, but he lost to Dominic Team in a semi at Roland Garros in 2019. Like he had this amazing run, and I think we just have to, you know, appreciate it and give him credit for it because I don't think anyone thought this type of dominance was coming in the later stages of his career, especially after. He was not only not in the GOAT discussion, but then entered the GOAT discussion and then basically ended the GOAT discussion all in the span of five years. Um, so I think, you know, if Djokovic drops back to where he was in 2019 or 2020, still top yeah. two, obviously, in the world. And I think that's sort of where he's going to go now before he starts to go a little bit lower because uh, that's the natural progression of someone's career. But, yeah, I'm not – I agree with Zico. I still think he probably wins two slams this year. Wimbledon's always been good to him. And like, I, I you know, uh, even the new guys, as Pam's saying, they don't have the experience on grass that he does. I know Carlos was able to take that match from him at Wimbledon, but, you know, Djokovic also had his chances and probably should have won that match. So uh, I, I think we'll see at least another slam out of him this year, if not two. But okay. yeah, it's sad to not have them in. But also, it's kind of not sad because I'm tired of, you know, the, the, the mainstream coverage just always being about the same three guys, you know, and so it, it's nice to have, uh, you know, force people to discuss Yannick yeah. Center, and um, it's great. Yeah, perfect. Right at 30 seconds. All right, let's look at the final. <laughs> 2024, Center taking on Medvedev. Uh, this line is pretty much the same as it was when it got released, minus 290 Center, Medvedev plus, plus 230. Game spread, as you see below, minus four and a half games for center at minus 130. Mavidev plus four and a half at minus 1.8. We have a synergy pick, our last one of the show. Zico and Pam are both on center minus four and a half games. Zico, starting with you. Was this just as simple as who's playing better and who's been on court less, or is there more to it? It's a little bit of both. I mean, Sinner has won three straight against Medvedev. I think he has figured out how to beat him. I think he's a little bit better of a server, a little bit better of a returner, and I think the baseline game is a lot more dangerous. So then you couple that with the fact that he spent six hours less on court, I do think that's going to catch up to Medvedev in some way. It, it might not be obvious. Like, he was able to get by Zverev. I know you guys think that maybe he was running on instinct, but if he's a step slow or even a quarter slow, like, he's not going to be able to beat Sinner, not the way he's playing right now. And I do think... The big hurdle mentally was Sinner getting over Djokovic. I don't think he's going to be that concerned about this match. I know there will be some nerves because it is his first Grand Slam final, but I think that he's facing a player that he's really confident against. Mm -hmm. Pam, if you want to expand upon that, just going forward from Sinner's perspective, we were talking. What? Yeah, new message. Got creative cloud. Somebody. Uh, um, I think time on court really, really does come into play here. I mean, not only the head-to-head -head that, yes, that Sinner has defeated Medvedev in the last three straight, but you're talking about Medvedev right now. He could break the record for the most time spent on court in a slam in the open era. Potentially, I mean, that's just insane. Now you're going up against somebody who 
didn't have any breaks against Djokovic, the best returner in the world, you're going to potentially be gassed. He is coming into this fresh, has dropped only one set. But aside from that, God, his game is so good. It is so mm. clean. It is so sharp. It is. You're talking about a high, a new level of tennis IQ from center from what we've seen. We already know that he has a strong baseline game. His serve has been pristine, even though it has been predictable at times. I wish he kind of changed that a little bit. If he gets into a pickle, like change it up. You have the ability. But what I saw from him in this tournament, not just against Djokovic, is prior he was just going for full on aggression. Yeah. Now we're seeing him hold back, craft the point. He is now in full control. And because of all of the weapons that he now has, he's doing the drop shot. He did the, he's doing the drop shot. He's doing the slice. He's not only playing from the baseline. He has the wide serve. He has a second serve that's just as powerful that he can bail himself out. And then, of course, he's 26 of 28 on saving break points. I mean, he is just playing damn near perfect. Mm. <laughs> minus four and a half is the only way that I would go. I wanted to potentially look at him minus one and a half sets. So win at max at worst in four, but it's heavily juiced at minus 165. Um, yeah. I'd rather just go for the games because I don't, I don't even think this match could go to a tie break as well as Medvedev is serving. Center's playing yeah. 10 times better. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This was almost a triple synergy, too, because, Kenny, your pick for this one is the under in this game at 38 and a half games. So justifying where you're at, I think kind of in a similar similar space as the other two. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is this is a classic spot where you got two big names or I mean, at least for newer tennis fans, I think people are very excited to see it. You look at the head to head. They've all been very close. Medvedev's generally taken a set when he's lost to center. Um, but I, I look back to. These, these finals, they played four finals on the tour, and Sinner has won the last two, obviously, but all that Med, in all the tournaments that uh, Medvedev has been able to, to really impose his game on Sinner, they've all been very, very fast surfaces. Miami, Beijing, Vienna indoors. Uh, and I, again, I, I'm, I'm going to reiterate that I don't think the Medvedev serve is quite up to snuff right now. I know that he's been around 60% over the last three matches, landing his first serves in. Um, that's all well and good. That's generally... You know, I, I think it's a little low for him, but that's generally where he's been. Uh, you know, in in these matches, in these big matches, but it, it's not really doing as much damage right now as it has in the past. And when you look at these matchups with Sinner, you know, when he's been able to win or win a set or almost win the match, he's been able to boss on serve. And I just don't think he's doing that right now. I'm going to continue that to back. Uh, I'm going to continue to back that trend to to continue. Um, and like I said, you know, when you look at even their entire head to head, which has been dominated by Medvedev six to three, obviously Sinner winning the last three, um, all of these matches, I thought Sinner could have won. Even if you look at the ATP finals back in 2021, where you got a baby faced Yannick Sinner coming in as a, a replacement in Turin, um, wasn't supposed to even play in that tournament. They go to a third set tie break. I, I really thought he should have and could have won that match. Obviously, is a much better player now, but um, I think generally, even in the losses, Center's been able to impose his game on Medvedev and look really, really good. So, 
you know, you look at the last, again, the last two matches, they've gone into three sets. People love to smash overs in these spots. Last night, everyone was in love with both overs. I was noticing uh, all over the place on Twitter, Djokovic center over, Zverev Medvedev over. These are going to be great four or five set matches. Both of them should have lost. Uh, and I'm not going to say again that the, but the under should have uh, won in the Zverev match. But um, I do think the under hits here. I think it's a pretty quick match for Sinner. I'm not quite confident enough to take him on the games because, uh, you know, the, again, Medvedev serve while it has, I'm, I'm going to, continue to say it's not going to be as you know important or as powerful as it has been in the past for him it could come back you know i mean i think it we've seen it happen in big spots you know the great the great players always find a way to just find their best parts of their game and, and elevate them for these big matches but um yeah i think it's I, I i'm not totally confident that the return performance against djokovic is going to continue here against medvedev yes center is a great returner he gets a lot of depth on the return but I, I could certainly see Medvedev holding onto his serve pretty quickly. When he gets in rhythm, he's tough to stop. So I think it's probably three, uh, you know, sets with a lot of games in them. I don't think there's going to be quite so many lopsided games. But yeah, I think Sinner takes care of this inside of four, inside of five sets rather, and in a four-set match, Sinner could, I think, in this scenario, perhaps uh, not cover the games or uh, and hit the under or vice versa. But I like the under here. I think the under is the play to go. Uh, I think that this is a matchup that Sinner dominates. I think he's a much better player right now. Medvedev has looked like garbage, really, this uh, this this tournament. I don't know how he's won two five-set matches in a row as a guy who has never been good in five sets. Um, Hercoc, and, I mean, I think we know. Hercoc choked and Zverev obviously choked in a big way. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen against a guy who's playing literally world number one tennis right now in Yannick Sinner. Well... Do you have anything? We're going to I was going to say, like, I, I am betting the situation, like, in a big in a big way here. Like, I do think that if you were giving me Medvedev plus four and a half, when I know that they're playing, you know, equal time on the court leading up to this, I would have taken Medvedev. Right. And that's, you know, a way I bet all sports. Like, I'll take a team like, below 500 team against the best team in the league if the rest right. spot is there. So I do think that this was a big part of it. And I think that's a huge part of the reason you're seeing such a lopsided, you know, spread in line. And, and that's also why... And the reason why I would not want to take the game to game take the game total over is because I could potentially see Medvedev sneak one in on accident because this is Sinner's first time here. Oh, because he, he gets another uh, cheap lucky shank return winner. Um, he, is, he is still in Angelo Tony's. We did see it yesterday. What we saw from Djokovic. Djokovic problem was not his serve. It was stellar. It was really his return game. He was dumping net. He was dumb routine shots. His forehand right. was being dumped into the middle of the net. It was his serve. It was actually the sort of saving grace of what the only game that part of his game that he had. So because of that, I think that like yeah, he could. Times? Huh? Wasn't he broken like six times and three times in the first set? Because he was redumping stuff into the net, he couldn't get a one-two. He couldn't. He never got in a second shot. There, there is a there. Yeah, Medvedev's ability to just hang around that would be the thing. Because you guys are all making great points, but we've seen it twice now. So like, I I know I'd hate to be the smart guy that ends up losing here because there's some some things just don't make sense. And Medvedev right now kind of doesn't make sense. Maybe I that's just no Medvedev doesn't make sense. And I like the minus four and a half games over the game total because. I would have more faith that one, this doesn't go tiebreak. Um, so, and two, that he could get broken multiple times, or two, if Bebedev even does get in as a second set, a third set, then Sinner's going to go ahead and go close it out in like 6 1, 6 2 in the fourth. Like, I have more faith in that ability than. Um, then Medvedev finding a way to hang around with the plus games or whatnot. But that's the only, that's the only reason why I'm staying away from the total. I was one of the people who was on the total for um, 
yeah, Medvedev and for the I bet five sets between him and Zverev, but it was it really is just complete confidence in Sinner's gonna like handle this the way he should, but nerves is the only thing. First final. Yeah. You have to look at it that way. I wanted to uh, wrap up though by going through some some props, some parlays, and just get thoughts here. You know, doesn't have to be a strong thought, just weigh in on what we see these numbers are. Uh, the first one kind of off that Medvedev's game total, 18 and a half quick hitters. Any thoughts from you guys? Under. I like the over, honestly. I mean, I, I know I like the under on total games here, but I, I did want to point out that four out of the last eight sets these guys have played have gone to tie breaks. Now, again, I'm sort of with Pam that I don't know if there's a lot of, I don't think there's more than one tiebreak certainly in this match, but because I also don't trust the Medvedev service right now, but that has historically been a pattern we've seen. With that said, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I do feel, actually, 18 and a half is ridiculous. No, I'm going to take the under. But I, 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 do, I do think there's a possibility here of a tiebreak. And that's why I sort of like the under better, because I think, you know, you might not be able to cover the games, but if, if in a three-set match with the tiebreak, you can still get the under, or frankly, in a four-set match. I say okay. under because I don't expect this. I don't expect um, for Medvedev to win any set by seven because of tiebreak. So it would be a six-four mm. type of situation where maybe the nerves kicked in, and that's how he was able to break them. But because of that, under and he watched it end right at eighteen. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, there. That's how we know it works. Uh, Zico, the ace prop for center, nine and a half. I'd lean under only because I think it's going to be four sets or less. And I do think Medvedev's long enough to get his ball, you know, racking on a lot of balls. So I think that that's going to be, yeah, I think an under for me. Totally agree on the under as well. I was on the under as Vera Vases last night because, again, I thought quick match. And also, as Zico said, uh, you look at the, the the recent matches for him, you look at historically, he's a very difficult man to ace. He gets a racket on everything. So I, I, th- I do feel as though the books are sort of playing with your food a lot of times with these ace props. I was on center last night uh, to get 15 aces because I thought perhaps it would go a little bit deeper and maybe, uh, you know, looking at Sinner's recent performance against Djokovic and his recent matches, he would get it. But I, again, I don't, I don't foresee a lot of aces here because I do think it's a three or four set match. And I, again, Medvedev historically, even Hubi Hercoc was having trouble acing him. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. And then the final two or same game parlays, if anyone likes it, we can go center to win under is even money. Yeah, no, definitely for me. I mean, I like I like center and I like the under, so that's uh, I think that's a good way to go. Then the last one too that I just want to throw out is that both players do get a set. So if you're looking this way, center to win the match, but may have to get a set at least. So it could go five either, and center wins. But another opportunity to maybe just you know for all leaning center to try to make the payout a little better. I, I like this one, and I because I'm also kind of leaning over on most of the Medvedev ones in the total because. I kind of think we're going to see Medvedev get a tiebreaker or something. And I'm mostly expecting Sinner to win a 6-1 or 6-2 set. So, like, that's why I took the game spread. But, yeah, I'd be surprised if we don't get one really good service set out of Medvedev. Yeah. I mean, Max, one tiebreak. That that would be my lean is both players to win a set and Sinner win the match. But I feel just more confidence with taking Sinner minus four and a half game straight bet. (laughs) Not right. trying to juice, not trying to juice it up. <laughs> and I will also remind the folks out there that you can hit the under with a four set match as well. Yeah. So oh, yeah, all these he wins like he did yesterday with the thirty six one six two type yeah. of game. You can see a lot of crazy covers in this tennis world that you wouldn't expect. Uh, panel on tennis bets. We're going to wrap up. This has been a f- fun blast. The entire Australian Open, but 
we're going to end with this question. What did we learn from the 2024 Australian Open? Zico, starting with you. You know, it could be betting, could be the tennis landscape, could be some trends you're noticing forward. What did you learn from this AL? I think we could firmly put Sabalenka in Iga's tier at the top of the women's game, and I don't think anyone else is there with them. I think that Rybakina has shown now that she's pretty prone to early exits, and I think that there's just something missing with Goff. I think you see it. You know, the, the forehand is still a problem. I think the serve is still an issue. So I think that it's really a two-person, you know, top of the of the women's game right now. Okay, Kenny, same question. Yeah, since we are in America, I would like to say I think we learned that Taylor Fritz is head and shoulders above every American man right now. I think, I, I, I again, elicits laughter whenever you say his name, but the bottom line is all these Americans flamed out early in the tournament. Uh, I know Tommy Paul had a difficult matchup against our, our Lord and Savior, Miramir Katsmanovic, who made us a lot of money over the week and a half that he played. But, I mean, look, the bottom line is he probably should have lost to Jack Draper. You know, he was a live underdog in that fifth set, or uh, excuse me, late in the fourth set. It looked like Jack was going to take the fourth, and RIP to Jack Draper, and also rest up to our, our king. But I would like to reiterate that I think we still need to give Taylor Fritz a lot of credit. I thought that match he played against Novak Djokovic was excellent for his standards against a guy that he's he was 0-8 going in. He tried a lot of different things. He's, he's learned how to hit a drop shot. So I, I think that Taylor Fritz is certainly stock up on him. I think it's a stock up performance. The performance against Tsitsipas was near perfect. And I, I think that the future is still very, very bright for him. All, because I, I, we have talked on this show about how we were sort of out on, on Fritz for a little while there because it, it was looking like Ben Shelton was going to overtake him and there were plenty of people who were just better at tennis. But I think ultimately that's one thing I learned. And also... Another big thing, we learned that Cam Norrie has, you know, Carlos Alcaraz-like touch. Uh, he, he, learned, he also learned to hit a drop shot. I think that's a big thing I learned Absolutely. here. A lot of guys now are, are working with drop shots uh, because we've seen the success that Carlos Alcaraz has had with it because he's able to push his opponents back. A lot of people return deep in the court. It's become a very, very valuable weapon, and I think we're going to continue to see more players added to their arsenal. But shouts out to Cam Norrie and Taylor Fritz for doing it here in the first week of the season, or I guess the third week of the season, uh, technically. But they, they've been able to come out of an offseason and you know display that they can do something new. So credit to them, and I think we're going to continue to see more players introduce the drop shot into their game. And Pam, rounding out with you, what do we learn from the 2024 Australian Open other than it's harder to stay up late for some of these matches? That's literally what my answer was going to be, that I need to probably practice my sleep schedule two weeks earlier so I could adjust because I am absolutely wrecked. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is a good tip because I was up watching. United Cup was great, by the way, and the Adel Adelaide was great. All these tournaments leading up were great. So I felt, although I looked like I was literally about to collapse with, with exhaustion on our shows, it, yes. it does help to kind of stay up a little bit later. You get New Year's, you know, you just kind of stay up a little bit later. You watch some tennis, and then uh, it was also you're training tennis. for it. <laughs> exactly, it's like you're flying into Melbourne early, like these tennis players do. You get adjusted to the sleep schedule. Uh, as my eyes are about to shut right now, uh, but uh, that that would be uh, that would be a, a good tip as well. Well, gang, this has been a blast. It's been uh, a joy talking tennis betting with you and. Uh, you know, talking to the listeners, the viewers, everybody out there who's consumed tennis bets, we will be back. The schedule is going to be coming up here in a little bit. We're going to be gearing up for these two shows a week during majors throughout the year, probably once a week during the premier events as well, and then mixing in some other shows throughout the year. So I can't wait for that. For Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohn, and Kenny Ducey, my name is Mitch Michaels. Thank you for watching or listening to Tennis Bets. We're going to be back very soon, but enjoy the remaining 
tennis at the Australian Open. Have a blast. Make some money. And we'll talk to you soon.